Hi, Matt. How are you going? It's uh, Tasso Rima, co-founder and CEO of Hyperion X. Thanks for having me again on the show. Uh, Hyperion X, we're looking at reshoring the titanium metal supply chain from end-to-end, from minerals and scrap all the way through to titanium products with innovative technologies and our titanium mineral asset as well in the United States. Uh, and I'm here to give an update on the excellent progress we've been making uh, that's fine. Great. That's uh, a good to see you again. We saw you uh, a year ago. Got a good update that you had a bunch of stuff you needed to deliver. So I would like, if you don't mind, to have a conversation today about, um, you know, obviously clearly where you're where you're at, and more importantly, how you scale this thing because the technology is there, the uh, market seems to be there, but you've got to make money and you've got to grow. So what do we? What do we just remind people precisely what? the company does, what it has in terms of the assets and what it's producing. Absolutely. So Hyperion X, we have really key, two core key assets. Uh, we do have a titanium mineral resource, which we fully permitted last year, called the Titan Project in West Tennessee. Uh, it has Rutul, Ilmanite, uh, and rare earth products as well out of it and Zircon. Uh, it's an outstanding asset. Uh, it's strategic uh, in the sense of we can provide that end-to-end uh, titanium metal supply chain because of that. But where we're really focused on is our innovative technologies. That's our, that's our primary asset. Uh, our innovative technologies were developed um, out of the University of Utah by Professor Zok Fong, uh, funded by the Department of Energy. Uh, the funding was provided to uh, Professor Fong to really, reach, to really develop a way of making titanium metal cheaper and more sustainable uh, so it could be used in the automotive supply chain. And so we took over those technologies in 2021, uh, shortly after we listed on the Australian Securities Exchange, we're now dual listed on the NASDAQ, as you know. And we we proceeded to uh, scale those technologies up. Initially, we took over a, a pilot facility in Salt Lake City. Uh, we industrialized that pilot facility, brought an excellent uh, group of people uh, to to really put the standards around that and, and prove uh, at that facility that the technology works day in, day out. Uh, and now we're at the point of scaling that technology uh, into commercial scale in Virginia, where we secured a site in September 2022. And today we're actually in construction in Virginia and we'll be commissioning that facility in the second quarter this year. So we're right on the precipice of really scaling up technology that can take, uh, essentially refine and also create forged titanium metal products to reshore a sustainable supply chain. That's always a lower cost in the US. Right. Okay. So, so let's, let's break that down. Okay. So you've got the Titan project, which is it's a, it's a large titanium mineral resource in the US, but you've decided, or did the market decide that you wouldn't advance that? And I, it, it, because it's, it's, it's really important in a difficult market, like this experienced the last three years for mining equities, mining juniors, it probably didn't make sense to spend too much money on that, and you kind of focused on the technology. Can you can you tell us about this sort of the decision making around why one not the other, why not both? Yeah, it's it's a great it's actually a great question, Matt. Um, so yes, the, the equity market for for mineral assets, um, you know, has been has been tough, and so it is harder, especially now, as you've seen, you know, minerals prices come off to develop it. But it's still a very strategic asset and important to eventually develop it. But before even then, we started seeing the the opportunity in the technology to be able to take titanium metal scrap initially uh, and produce titanium metal products. Now, the titanium scrap, the titanium metal scrap um, out there 
only half of it, about, we, we calculate only about half of it is actually recycled into titanium metal products. Half of it is downcycled into the steel industry. And so there was this opportunity to bring to bring full circularity to the titanium supply chain, which the market loves, our end customers love. They want a 100% recycled product. As you can imagine, there's titanium products out there from, you know, bicycles through to smartwatches and smartphones now with the Apple uh, iPhone 15 Pro. And those customers want 100% recycled titanium. So there was a customer-driven demand, and then there was a capital efficiency in our minds of scaling this unique technology, which allows us to get into the market with product, get revenue for far lower capital intensity than what you would see in a mine project. Build out that technology, build out revenue, build out our customer base, so recycle all the downcycled and even re- currently recycled titanium metal scrap into high quality titanium metal products, grow that business, and then when we need to, tap the Titan project in the future for backward integration. So it's not because of the market. It, it, it's, I'm, I'm happy that we took that approach two years ago before the market turn, uh, but it's definitely an approach driven by both customer demand and capital efficiency of scaling this you know, unique revolutionary technology that we have. Right. Okay. So, so I, I, I kind of get the re- recycling and the greenhouse gas emissions and the, you know, the, I guess, reduced costs of, uh, of titanium as well for you and the technology. And we'll come on to that, but just, just if we can finish off on the Titan project. So, so you, that's in the bag for later. Are there, what sort of obligations, costs, et cetera, are there now to sort of maintaining that and sort of banking that? For a future date, yes. So we have uh, about eleven and a half thousand acres of uh, leases, mineral leases. So but we have about fifteen hundred acres we own and ten thousand acres we own. So we, this is in uh, West Tennessee, so it's on private land. Uh, we have obligations uh, like mineral royalties there uh, just to hold the land. It's, it's relatively low cost to hold it. Uh, we completed our scoping study. We completed our feasibility level metallurgical test work. We've put the brakes on progressing it through feasibility studies. I do think, uh, before I get onto it, there, we also completed permanent on that project. That is, makes this project very strategic so we can tap it whenever we need. But uh, we'll put the brakes on driving it through pre-fees and feasibility because uh, because of the focus on all our capital into the scale of the technology. But the asset is there. It's an outstanding asset. Uh, it is great. Um, and I think um, it will be something that uh, that is strategic for us um, in the future. And I do believe that it's something that it's an asset that the government in looking at wanting to reshore the titanium supply chain, there's a lot of, um, we were recipients of the titanium metal grant last year from the Defense Production Act. Um, we do see that there's opportunities also funding from the US government for the development of both through feasibility studies and also into more natural construction projects. So it's strategic, it sits there, uh, it's strategic to our business, um, but it's it's definitely uh, something that uh, has, it's not the priority right now uh, in the in the immediate uh, term for, for our. Okay, so so let's 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 kind of get get into the weeds here. So th- this is another critical mineral, but it, it, more so than some. <laughs> I would, I would say, because it's very highly technical metal as well in terms of trying to do what you're trying to do. You, you talk about some IP, some, um, you know, integrated sort of te- technologies that you have, which um, perhaps 
put you at the front of the queue, perhaps give you that kind of first mover um, advantage, um, which is all great. But I'm trying to understand the market for titanium and titanium products that you're trying to create, your ability to produce them, the margin that you can produce them at, and then more importantly, because margin is great, but if it's small scale, it doesn't kind of help anyone, is how you scale this thing into being a meaningful size company. So can you just tell us a little bit about the market first? Yeah, absolutely. Look, just to touch on uh, what we can do, it absolutely works. That's why we received the Defense Production Act Title III program. We've been doing it for 18 months, and we've done it at a commercial scale in small, in, in a few runs already. Uh, but the market is big. Uh, the market uh, right now, we put out an announcement the other day, uh, the market, just the export market for semi-finished titanium components is $1.14 billion last year, 117,000 ton. <laughs> that's the sort of scale. And that's just semi-finished exports. Then there's billets, which is sort of like a uh, an unfinished titanium metal raw product, another half a billion dollars, that of exports, let alone the internal consumption within the US and the consumption within uh, Europe. So the market is very large. Uh, we estimate the titanium melt market to be around $6 billion and multiples of that for semi-finished titanium metal products, so airframes, bicycle components, automotive components, uh, green hydrogen components, things like that. We think the market is is growing as well. Uh, even without us, you see growth in the green hydrogen economy. If you want green hydrogen through PEM electrolyzers, you have to have titanium metal um, in those electrolyzers. That's a huge growth market, which could be as large as the amount of titanium metal that the US used to import. Uh, historically, uh, and then you look at uh, the smartwatch and smartphone market as well, which is growing as well. Consumer electronics is a huge growth market for titanium metal. So we see growth in the market. Uh, it's a deep market. It's it's fairly opaque sometimes in pricing, uh, but you do have good uh, pricing data there uh, from export import um, data that you can that you can look at. It's a it's a high value market um, now. We think that that market can grow even more if we bring, or as we bring, the cost of titanium metal down. Uh, the titanium metal market, if it's in the billions, the stainless steel market is in the hundreds of billions. If you brought titanium metal market, the titanium cost down, you would be able to capture some of that stainless steel market. So for us, we see this enormous market there uh, that's there for the take. Existing titanium metal market that wants lower cost product, but also sustainable product but also product that's made in the U.S. because currently the U.S. has to import all its raw material to then melt into titanium metal to make titanium metal products. So there's a big opportunity to become the Western world supplier of titanium metal, take out the Chinese, take out the uh, the uh, Russians out of the equation. Uh, and then there's a, this huge opportunity to then grow that market uh, being the Western world supplier as well with lower cost, more sustainable titanium. Right. Okay. So there's a, there's a bunch of verticals there in terms of the, the markets that you can get into. And can you sort of help me understand um, part of my question, there, which was around margin for each of those uh, verticals? Because you've got choices to make about the percentage of the mar- each of those markets that you can capture uh, over a period of time and the margins that each of those will deliver to your bottom line. Because some will be higher margin than others. And, uh, but you know, perhaps the lower margin stuff might give you the bulk um, or revenue that you're looking for as well. So, can you just give us an insight into that? Yeah, absolutely. This is a this is 
are quite quite a lot of variables there um, because there's multiple different types of titanium metal products. Um, if you look at the existing industry, uh, the industry starts with minerals and scrap. Minerals takes it into titanium metal sponge. Uh, that sponge is then melted with some scrap that they can melt. You can't melt scrap. Um, and then that makes this big seven, six to 11 ton ingots. And those ingots are then broken down. And the first really, uh, like a common denominator of those broken down ingots is a billet or slab. Now from there, all other titanium metal products are made, whether it's tube, wire, bar, plate, sheet, things like that. So you can, we estimate that that billet, that, that intermediate product that from what all other products are made is about a $60,000 ton product. We put out numbers, and if you just want to take a symptom, right, this is the simplest form. We could replicate that sort of billet replacement. Um, and I'll talk about how we can even go more. But if we just replicated that billet replacement, uh, we outlined costs in phase two of our Virginia facility. And this is before we really scaled, just where we could get to 2,000 tons per annum in the recent release of about two of about uh, 30,000. Uh, now then to make that billet is not much more than that. So, you know, another three thousand dollars a ton we put there, something like that, three to three to ten dollars a kilo. So just to make a billet, we can make it for around thirty thousand dollars a ton and you can sell it for sixty thousand dollars a ton. And that's the whole market. That's where that whole market starts from. So you could simply look at our business as we could take a thirty thousand dollar a ton margin over what is a few hundred thousand tons of product. So we could build a very, very good business just off that. But then our technology allows us to, to not just look at making that billet. We start from powders and we can consolidate those powders using our forging technologies into that billet. But we could go even further and instead of just making that billet, we could consolidate it into neonet shape products. So that billet has to then be rolled or broken down or forged further rolled or extruded further into other products like wire, like bar. And then even those products, once you have a bar, need to then be made into a watch case or smart watch, smartphone case uh, or an airframe. Um, from powder, we can go directly into the bar or, or sheet, which would be a multiple. So that's where that semi-finished product is, $100,000 a ton plus. Or we can go even further down to that chain and make the actual watch case itself and those you know for instance we sell our watch cases today 3d printed watch cases um to switzerland and they sell much much higher than that so there's multiple markets we could take it into it's taking it simply we could make that bit of replacement where we would have 50 percent margins but we could even we will go even further down down the line now there's going to be some markets now like consumer electronics where it will develop, where we make these near net shape watch cases that they then machine, that the customer then machines, and we sell them for a higher amount. But as we're growing into that market, it takes, takes some time to grow that. We think grow very quickly. But there's some immediate markets like bar or sheet, which are plus $100,000 a ton, as we see from the import-export data, where we could get into immediately as well. And those, you know, those would be tens of thousands of dollars a ton. Tens of thousands of so there's, 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 over this year, we're going to take a customer-driven approach to deciding which markets we 
we supply into because we're still, even as we ramp up over this year, next year, 2026, as we get to those 2,000 tons, we just don't have enough to supply everybody. So we will take a customer-driven model of, you know, who wants the product, who's going to pay for the product, who's going to sign on for those long-term contracts that allow us to scale quickly. Uh, and we will we will be responsive to the customers that want to bring our product into into their their supply chain. Okay, so a lo- lot of variables, and it's 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 kind of revenue generator, uh, not not necessarily for us coming for ourselves, but it's a case of which markets you will give you the contracts, will give you the revenue opportunity, and you'll you'll react to that. But you've got the flexibility to, I guess, address all of those markets. It'll work itself out. Is what is what I'm what, I, what I'm what I'm hearing um, for, from here. But, but here, here's, here's the interesting thing in all of this, right? You started off as a mining company, and therefore looking at mining type uh, multiples in terms of the way that people value you. Because I'm I'm looking at this now, right? I've got to think about this slightly differently, and it's going to be hard for people to move from a mining um, sort of pretext to saying, well, actually, this sounds more like an industrial, which has generally. Have higher multiples, which, which, which is good for you. Uh, that move, um, but and you've kind of got um, you know got Titan in the background in terms of the supply mechanism at a, at a later date. Should you need it, but recycling is good for now. And um, is how how do you think people should value your company? On what basis should people value your company? Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough question. We are one of one. Um, it's. It's like you, you you try and look at other comparables and it's, it's tough to see. There's some industrial technology companies out there which which have that similar, which started off in a similar way. Uh, you have uh, a couple there on the ASX which have, which have done well. A4N, Alpha, HVA and uh, and Silex are doing well. They're addressing a critical need in, in different commodities. We think uh, the titanium market is much more easy to understand and, and what we're doing here is much is real revolutionary to bring down the cost of titanium So you look at those companies, you know, they trade at multiples of where we are. Um, but then really when you look at it, if you look two years out, if you look five years out with what we're trying to achieve, say just look two years out on the 2026 case, 2,000 tons per annum, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at something where you could achieve multiples, get to over $100 million of EBITDA, and you could achieve multiples closer to something like a Helmet Aerospace ATI uh, or operating listed in the US, focused on the titanium uh, supply chain in, in some regards, really just on the back end, on the downstream end. Don't have that full integration, don't have that innovative technology, don't have uh, the ability to lower uh, the cost of titanium products like we do. And those are valued at, you know, I think closer to the 20 times multiples of EBITDA. So that that's where we see ourselves. Um, it's it's but you know that to to be able to achieve multiples similar to our industrial like you pinpointed it right the industrial type of companies you know being able to achieve or being a people looking at us and going it's an industrial technology company it's got its secure source of feedstock through scrap contracts that we secured last year but also the Titan project eventually when we need to backward integrate to continue to grow. Uh, but this is a industrial technology story that's going to revolutionise the titanium industry. Market's big, TAM's big, uh, margins are large, uh, and the multiples here are similar to some of these existing players in the industry today. And that's where I, that's where I would hope the market takes. It. Okay, okay, because because there's, there's some some of the variables there in terms of the, the value, and we, we've seen this in, in in other sectors of of recycling where initially the kind of scrap 
the feedstock is relatively inexpensive and therefore it allows you to make you know one advance the, the your own technology and production etc but at some point those scrap and feedstock guys catch on and go well actually we'll have a piece of that and they they will change the, the pricing structure so in terms of these contracts you secured last year how long are they for how do you how do you construct those and you know how long before you you perhaps you lose a little bit of control in terms of that margin so we don't see a loss in control like there is no alternative it's not like the lithium recyclers which came in there and and there's multiples of them so you know they're trying to move around and um and then the the power goes towards the supplies of the scrap here we without us the scrap is going into the steel industry and that's a big market the ferrous titanium industry uh without us it's, it's just going this is again why I like the Titan project and like to have it there because as soon as we see that a scrap supplier is trying to raise prices, now we'll play a little bit of a premium already just to take it out away from the ferro titanium industry, but um, we don't need to pay too much of a premium. Um, but as soon as we as soon as we start really moving the market, and this I think is more when we're close to ten thousand tons per annum, or hopefully. You know, we, where we see the market moving is probably when it's 10,000 tons per annum of scrap that you need. That's probably where you move the market. Uh, you know, that then says we can, then the idea would be to pay a little bit over time. But until we get there, the I think that the scrap market is deep and liquid enough that we won't affect it, even for that 2,000 ton case that we're talking about. Um, so... The contracts that we have now, they're MOUs with ELG Utica and with Haru DevTech um, to take their scrap uh, with ELG Utica. It was for 10 tons a month to cover up essentially this first phase of our scale up this year. Uh, but we see those easily expandable into large contracts to, and with other suppliers to supply that 2,000 tons. I feel very confident that we won't have any issues there. Again, unlike also the lithium or the rare earth scrap market, it's a well-developed market. It's a deep liquid market. So you have you have more scrap supplies than you do just have one company that can pay a premium for that scrap, which is us. So we, we're in a we're in a really good position there right now for that scale up. I don't see any issues with getting that uh, scrap at uh, prices which we've outlined in our in our studies before. Um, so yeah, I, d I don't see any problems in the near term getting that scrap. And when we do scale to a to a point where we start affecting the market, that's when we can bring in Titan project. At that point, we've got major cash flows. We can easily build the Titan project. It's fully permitted, and we can then make sure that that where we keep the scrap market in in balance. Okay, talk to me about the Nasdaq listing because. That's kind of interesting. You're, in, you know, you're also an ASX uh, company, but you know, reshoring to the to the US, you've got to, um, you know, expose yourself to the North American market, much bigger market. How's that going? Well, uh, the Nasdaq listing is doing really well. Uh, it trades well. The last few weeks, it's been trading probably more than the Aussie listing. Uh, we had a How's very it? Large okay. Yeah, there was a large five million dollar crossing break the other the other week. It's this thing does extremely well. Uh, we have had great support from shareholders in the United States in our last financing rounds. Last year, we had two financing rounds, heavily subscribed by shareholders out of the United States, and we continue to see a lot of inbounds from both shareholders, customers that would like to be also potential shareholders in the future in the United States. Um, so we're in a great position there. 
Uh, we've also gotten the support of the U.S. When we were last on the show, I think we had just won the Air Force Research Labs Grand Challenge for Tough Recycling. Uh, since then, we've been uh, had significant support from both the Virginia State, but also uh, the U.S. government, the federal government, in through the Department of Defense in scouting our technology. So, end of last year, the a grant for the from the Department of Defense Defense Production Act Title Three program of twelve point seven million to scale the technology. So we're definitely on the radar. People like us. People like what we're doing. People like the mission that we have to reshore our titanium metal supply chain uh, because of its because today it's dominated by China and Russia. That's not a good thing. Um, and um, and we're in a, I think I think the Americans, you know, really do love. I've been you know in the states now for almost a decade, and I definitely see that um, there's a lot of support around the US for, for what we're trying to do because it is a it is a critical need. And I think titanium metal, especially now, because of its use in almost a lot of current and future military platforms, is of you know there's a significant focus on it. It's import dependent from Japan. Japan has uh, problems because of the retail supply chain today. There's shortages there. The only alternative is Russia and China. So the U.S. is looking at it, going how to reshore this, and it looks like. You know, one of the first companies in over a decade that the government has funded to reshore our titanium supply chain is us. So we're definitely getting the, the runs on the board at the US.